Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the wacky and waspish Brent. Ah. Oh, what what does the second one mean? Wacky, that you went with the standard one. Yes, wacky was standard. Waspish, though, you are, I imagine, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Ah, we found that, yeah, we found that out last series that I was brought up Protestant, Baptist. Still am. Just kidding. Or am I? Ooh, it's a mystery. Yep. But yeah, definitely. You're definitely bringing the blue blood into our podcast. And, you know, we could yes, always use And that. you're welcome. Yes, exactly. And look, hey, Forrest is back. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm back. And both in um, body and spiritual essence, in fact. So, oh, that's ah. good. So when you were abducted, they didn't <laughs> take that away from you. Because they no. do that sometimes. <laughs> Got to keep your essence. Oh, really? Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, that's what happened to Barack Obama. They kind of suck out your spiritual essence and then they put the <laughs> reptilian consciousness into you. Oh, that's true. That makes sense because Alex Jones, Alex Jones has informed me that he smells of sulfur and he's always uh, surrounded by flies. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. that's the reptile consciousness. That's what it does. Right. As we know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. So what are we talking about today, Dylan? Well, today we are concluding our series on Paul Potter's monumental study, Anti-Gravity Propulsion Dynamics, UFOs, and Gravitational Manipulation. However, we're going to spice things up a bit because we actually found someone besides us who read this book, believe it or not, a Mr. Barry S. Rothman. Uh, he wrote a review titled Paul Potter's UFO Drive Concept. That, that name, Barry S. Rothman, that sounds familiar. Have I heard of him before? Well, he's the Bible code guy. Come on, Forrest. Everybody oh, knows that. Oh, yeah. wow. Yep. I have a feeling that that's not all he is, is the Bible code guy. So hold on. Let me do a quick Google yeah. search on him real fast. Yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. So uh, while uh, while uh, Forrest is doing his research there, uh the Bible code guy doesn't just review the book. He's the Bible code guy. So he's got to bring the Bible code into it. And so on his website, Barry S. Rothman's Ark Code and Mars Research, the words Paul Potter were decoded in the Torah, along with the words UFO, black hole, field and sphere. And I think these words were obviously encoded by ancient aliens. So Barry could come across Potter's groundbreaking book. Yeah, obviously that that makes sense. Yeah, of course. That's the only explanation. And guys, guys, I just came back from my research and uh, I, I gotta say my deepest fears are confirmed. I completed the search on Barry S. Rothman and from his bio, it says, with respect to religion, I'm a modern Orthodox Jew. Politically, I'm a conservative Republican. Guys, I'm sorry to say, but neocon alert, warmongry alert. Oh, oh no. God. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're, oh Lordy good. B, we got to We got to We better alert a neocon watch at the Ron Paul Institute. <laughs> no, get them on this. We're doomed. No, damn oh, it. You man. blew it up. We got to get him away from the Russian no. propaganda and get into some Barry S. Rothman damn propaganda. All, all right. All right. Well, actually. Wait, I think we can calm down. You know, I, I read a little bit more of his bio and he's not a neocon, actually. So Rothman has, quote, uh, okay. a keen interest in an open and comprehensive space program that's based on technology that is made in America. So Ooh. he's America first. We're going to protect the unions, protect the steel industry. <laughs> and those uh, spaceships are going to be run on coal and <laughs> the America first, no less. And he's apparently also for Space Force, which is nice. Therefore, not a neocon. Oh, thank God. OK, <laughs> so we're off the hook. We're off the hook this time, but let's stay right. vigilant. 
That's uh, right. And you know what? Speaking of America First, I also think Mueller might have some interest in Rothman's review of Potter's book, referring to the webpage containing his review. Rothman writes, It is evident that the Kremlin has an interest in the article because it was accessed by Kremlin IP address 83.237.106.233. This access may have been because of their interest in Potter, or it may have been because paragraph 19 below names three Russian scientists and one Polish scientist who may have been involved with back-engineering UFOs in 1960. So I mentioned their... (laughs) (laughs) He goes on to say, I mentioned their IP address here because the Russians have, in conjunction with links to my websites, published my home phone and address without requesting permission from me to do so. That's fucked up. Oh, man. Man. Although, personally, I don't (laughs) think it was the Russians. I think it was more likely someone sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, personally. That's 400 pounds, 4,000 pounds, probably (laughs) New Jersey. Probably New Jersey, Honestly, it could have been me. I I use VPN sometimes, and I don't know, maybe I went through a server in Russia. So I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry to scare you, Rothman. Uh, I should also note this word, back engineer, is this kind of Mm. word in the UFO community that's fake. Because the real word is reverse engineer. That's the thing that actual engineers do. Mm -hmm. But all the alien people, like starting with the Roswell craft, talk about how they brought it to area 51 to back engineer it and yeah. so now all of them use this made up word it's almost as if they don't know what they're talking about almost <laughs> oh or that you would think that but that's disinformation yeah. oh okay sorry okay sorry okay so 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 the bible code ufos molar crystals it's all coming together if you go back and listen to all of our episodes before moving forward please yep. um but what does it all mean well That's what we're going to find out after you've listened to episodes one through 25. You can (laughs) return now. You don't have to just review the past two episodes. You got to review all of it. That's several hours. I'm sorry, but you need the information. (laughs) So let's get started. And I believe Forrest is going to start us off with chapter seven, Black Vortex of Immense Silent Power. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so... Uh, we're going to get going here on chapter seven. Um, I would have started with section 7.1, but I'm going to skip 7.1 through 7.3. And yes, that's because they're all below the level of obviousness. So, <laughs> you know, I, I gave Brent a lot of shit about doing this exact same thing in the last episode, whatever. I'm a hypocrite, but I've since come to appreciate the wisdom of his methodology. So I'm going to continue in this way. That's good. It's a growing moment. Um, are you sure it's not above the level of obviousness then? Because oh, I thought oh, when yeah. we were too stupid before, it's because we were below. So I think this is above. This is like obvious plus. Oh, you know, I'll have to think about that a bit because it's not really obvious to me if your claim is true or not. So I'll have to get back to you. OK, that's fair. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, we need to leave some mystery here. I mean, if we give every single detail away about how to build an IFO, then people, you know, next thing you know, people like Dick Cheney will be using it for warmongering <gasps> because, you know, I'm, I know he listens to this podcast, obviously. And then, well, you know, that's OK, because Christian Bale will have a sequel. I guess. Oh, that's true. Well, at least it'll all work out. It's always good for him to get work. Yes. As long as he doesn't have to do another Terminator sequel. You know, then I'll I'll be happy with that. <laughs> oh yes, thing. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh my God, yeah. Fuck, it's a terrible movie. Okay, so seven point four. We're going to start there, and that's a real time engineering of a fundamental black vortex. Ooh. So we have more stuff on Betty and Dries and Luca here, which is nice. Um, in this section, Potter claims that though Betty's recollections of alien technology at the time of her hypnotic regressions were uncorrelated with scientific principles, they are in fact perfectly correlated with astrophysics. 
Potter writes, It has taken a considerable amount of effort to make this discovery, but the hard work has paid off, for it will be through this scientific correlation that anybody now can recognize and demystify even more of the UFO extraterrestrial peculiarities that have been observed and remembered by others. And it will be a useful database if and when more UFOs present themselves in the future. And so, guys, I think I can finally make perfect sense about why Potter says everything in this book is obvious and simple. You see, he puts in all the extremely hard work in correlating raving lunacy with astrophysics. And he did this for everyone to recognize and demystify. Man, what a gift. He truly is the hero we deserve. Yes. I really think. Yeah. It's basically like the future Trump president biographer, basically. No, um, no, no. Brent, no, Brent, no, no. Because in that case, you're only correlating raving lunacy with raving lunacy. And that's a bit oh, different. It's yeah, different. I don't think that's Trump has point. anything yeah. to say about astrophysics yet. No. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. So let me see here. At one point during Betty Lucas' experiences, a UFO blew out its electrodynamic circuit. Mm. Potter writes... Betty Luca went on to mention that one of the Greys communicated to her that in order to get the UFO up and running again, he and his fellow engineers were going to have to reline the cyclonetic trowel inside of it. <laughs> well, this obviously is not a phrase known to this scientific world. So, on first hearing it, it doesn't say a lot about what the Greys were going to do that can be easily recognized. And apart from this one phrase, and maybe three or other words given by that gray to Betty, which Betty didn't really understand at the time, that's basically all that was remembered about the gray's explanation and Betty's recollections. Man, Betty, Betty, <laughs> Betty. So I love here how the grays can communicate in English, which we all, I mean, this has been demonstrated. And yet when it comes to the really important stuff, they got to just make up words. They can't just, they can't use, they're like, we're not, we can't use, you know, in our scientific world, we have a fancy word that we can't translate. So we're just going to make something up. Yeah. And luckily they sell cyclonetic trowels at AutoZone. Oh, that's, that's a good there. point. They good. don't know how they work, but they do sell them. They do sell them. Yeah. That's good. No one knows. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Despite the Greys not letting Betty in on too much technical detail as to what the fuck was going on here, Potter writes, However, there is sufficient data in the rest of that recollection of what Betty perceived of that scene to figure out what the Greys were doing to their UFO and why. This is why context clues are really important. Yeah. This is why you got to learn that in school. Yeah, yeah. So then you could decode the alien abductee information about how the UFO works. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so what was happening? Quote, the first telltale sign of what was going on was when Betty had to be smeared all over the whole of her body by one of the greys with electro-insulating gel. <laughs> this, <laughs> wow. This, this was done so that Betty and the other abducted humans that happened to be with her could, quote, be moved outside the stricken UFO along with other greys that made up the crew of that UFO. The crew of Greys wouldn't need the gel smeared all over them because they had on their electroprotective skin tight suits and insulating boots. So I think the first thing to comment on is that we talked about the uh, triple rated Black Vortex magazine that the Greys are putting out. Yes. And I think yes. this is what's in there. I think smearing oh. humans with electro insulating oh, gel plays That's a big it. part. But also... 
this is their job, right? Their job is abducting people and, you know, teaching them about UFOs or whatever. Maybe have a human sized suit ready instead of some gross ass gel next time. I don't know. It seems they're very unprepared and they just had to <laughs> cook something up. Yeah. See, I, I only took an entry level physics course and getting my science with a capital S degree. But mm. I do recall the professor covering the application of the electro insulating gel in class. So this does sound about right. Oh, mm. yeah. Well, I mean, it made for strange labs on Monday night. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get those C's. Yep. So. Yep. You got to do it. Got to put on the gel sometimes in a lab. Sometimes you just have to put on the gel. And so <laughs> why, you know, why this wow. was a clue as to what was happening escapes the, the dilettante ignorance of yours truly. However, I know enough to suspect it had something to do with the aforementioned cyclonetic trowel, which, quote, <laughs> would have meant reflowing the toroid fluid to energize its magnetic field and routing that magnetic field through the craft's base disk. To establish the craft's magnetic funnel to shape its rotating energy into a vortex. After that, with all its energies flowing again and flowing in the right direction, the lower UFO would have been safe to run its tick over mode and it would have been ready to power up again and fly off back into the night sky on its own. It's good. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going on the 7.5, lining up the uh, sphere sets to the central vortex. I am hoping you dilettante egomaniacs paid close attention to the things Dylan and Brent said in the last episode about the upper and lower spheres of the UFO mm. spacecraft. If not, you'll have to listen to that episode first or you might get lost. So. Correction, you will get lost. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> I, I've, I, I've personally been lost since the Revelation episodes, but I it just keep going. That's, oh, that's, that's fair. Okay. So have I. But yeah, we just, yeah. That's our dilettante <laughs> ignorance right speaking. Exactly. All right. All right. So listen very carefully. On page 251, there's a picture showing exactly how the spheres are connected. So just look at that, soak in the obviousness <laughs> of the image, and now you have a perfect understanding. There you go. Perfect. You just got to look at it. <laughs> yes. But that's not all that's self-evident in this section. Potter says something about a telemeter wheel, which was, quote, of course, one of the terms used by the extraterrestrials. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, that, that much we know for certain. For, this, yeah. Absolutely. And of course they use that word for some reason. Yes, yes. All right. And uh, so we're moving on to 7.6, seeing a complete range of frequencies in the UFO craft. So Potter talks about strange things that happen when you're working with a telemeter wheel, including something to do with oscillating frequencies, which, quote, may be approximated between 3.75 gigahertz and 2 gigahertz. Potter does have a Freudian slip at this moment because he admits he partially derived his data from, quote, my arbitrary rendition of Betty's drawings. <laughs> so did he like act out the drawing in an arbitrary way? That's what I think of as like a rendition is like a play kind of thing. Or maybe he sent it to a CIA black site to be interrogated. I, I know we use rendition for that, that kind of activity in the past. Ah, oh, that might be right. And well, to, to misquote Carl Sagan, extraordinary yes. rendition requires extraordinary interrogation. <laughs> oh, man, that's the that's the alternative universe where he's a neocon. <laughs> he's writing those neocon self-help books. <laughs> Isn't it just wonderful what goes on the inside of a rotating black site? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh man <laughs> we sent the torture victims careening across iraq and yeah so anyway 7.7 7. 
Gyrating storage field feeds rim field. Current ring. Yes, that's that's that that's what sentence? that's what it says. Is there is there a verb there? I okay. I <laughs> where we're I going, we don't need verbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's that's perfect. Okay. So in this section, Potter talks about ergo spheres. He writes of the three inside the crafts, the innermost one, Ergosphere A, will be that which immediately encloses and surrounds the central sphere set assembly. Ergo, the planar wave guide area will be designated as Ergosphere B, which is where the storage field gyrates. Oh, is this Pornhub? I, I don't... Oh, it is. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Porn Toroid. Oh. Porn Toroid. <laughs> Toroid Hub. Yeah. Lube up your donuts. All right. So, anyway. <laughs> so uh, moving on to 7.8, the goalie paradox. I believe it has something to do with um, Fern goalie, how the goalie uh-huh. paradox. Of Fern goalie. Oh, yeah. Uh, the goalie Gotta paradox. The rainforest. Yes. Yeah. The, go- the goalie paradox of small gap leading to bigger things. So I've got little to say about this section, only that it ends with a strange non sequitur. It's it's centered in the page in three lines and looks kind of like a haiku. Um, It it goes like this. I like the extraterrestrial physicist. To him or her, space is not empty and not symmetric. And everything does not equal zero. I, I think we all know space isn't empty. I mean, we're here and everything does not equal zero. So if this is like if this is the big idea that these alien scientists have to bring us, I'm not too impressed. I am impressed by Potter's haiku abilities, though. I have to say. Yeah, that's fair. That was okay. pretty good. I do like the haiku as poetry. Yes. All right. So now we're going to chapter eight, gravitational push and pull forces. Ah. So I'm pretty sure gravitational forces only pull. But what do I know? I'm in, I'm a dilettante, ignorant moron. So, so anyway, 8.1 acoustic black vortex gives UFOs the stealth of silence. Wow. The stealth of silence. The stealth of silence. (laughs) UFOs of caught. Anyway. So anyway, so hello Potter, my old friend. Sorry. (laughs) I've come to be abducted again. In restless dreams, I'm not sleeping. Missing time. Anyway, so anyway, so in this, we'll have to write a whole Simon and Garfunkel UFO sign yeah. later. In this section, Potter claims to have uncovered the reason why UFOs typically don't make any noise. He says, Quintessentially, the reason why the vast majority of UFOs are reported to run silent. So silent is, silent is in all caps, just so you know will be because they are cylindrical and they utilize rotating energy fields. You know, that makes a lot of sense. If you don't believe them, just, you know, start doing donuts on the highway and see just how silent you can (laughs) be. Wait, 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 Dylan, let's upgrade our vocabulary here now that we know. Maybe try, if you don't believe him, just start doing toroid on the highway. Oh, yeah. That's a lot more sophisticated. (laughs) Give those toroids, boy. Let me get my monocle and my pipe (laughs) and my hot rod. All right. So 8.2 black vortex establishes horizontal gravitational force. And for this section, the title sort of spoils the entire plot, as it were. Oh, man. So there's not really any point in saying any more about that. So skip horizontal gravitational force established 2019. (laughs) Now we're going to 8.3 differences in aeronautics with gravitational buoyancy. Okay, so here we go. Now, Potter says the following is a, quote, simple method of movement. 
As I understand it, this very, very, very simple method goes something like this, paraphrasing Potter, because I couldn't read the whole thing, this is too much. He says, Buoyancy allows the application of heat to the air surrounding the UFO, which causes it to move, such as in the case of a particular UFO that enclosed itself in an air parcel and applied heat to the leading edge of that air parcel. Then the UFO would move toward any cold rarefied air ahead of it with a velocity proportional to the rarefication and coldness of remote air. By heating one side of the UFO, its upper dome shell around the rim area would make it move upwards or sideways. So yeah, a simple method of movement. Yep, absolutely. Oh, I believe it's simple. Perfect. Uh, Potter writes, quote, it might be a point of consideration here that perhaps the diversity that comes with UFO sightings is the very reason why scientists have been obliged to ignore UFO research in the past. You know, much in the same way as, say, I don't know, evolutionary biologists ignore the diversity of life, for instance. I oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I only get my biology from microevolutionary biologists personally. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Brent. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to offend yeah. you there. Thanks. I'm sorry. I, I'm kind of glad you offended him. I think we need to put him in his yeah. place. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. Potter only asks of you, Brent, for a little more humility here. Okay. <laughs> so now we're going into 8.4 base disc divides gravitational field dynamics. In this section, Potter says more words. 8.5 <laughs> negative repulsive gravity below the base disc. In this section, Potter notes the collective gravitational force flowing out of the core of the black vortex below the craft will be outward moving and repulsive. Since repulsive is in all caps, I'm trying to picture just the most hideous looking UFO imaginable. But I'm having trouble with that because they're just too blurry to imagine. So that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, it's also good that it's repulsive because then the aliens are probably just vomiting constantly and then they can use that to power the fluid. Get it uh, their gelatinous vomit. Um, their tiny little mouths. Yeah. That's also what that electro insulating gel is probably made out of. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the illusion layout. 8.6, beyond the buoyancy of radial and negative gravitational forces. I would discuss this section, but I'm just so beyond the beyond the buoyancy of radial and negative gravitational forces <laughs> at this point that I just don't feel it. So yeah, the listeners that. know. Let's just move on. We're, move, we're moving on. On to 8.7, uh, which is titled, On My Way Home After a Hard Night's Abduction. <laughs> and I've got, I've, I've got nothing to say about this except, It's been a hard night's abduction. <laughs> I should be sleeping like a log, but when I get home to you, after what the ETs do, I feel, I feel all right. Is that really what it's called? <laughs> that is really what. Okay, just want, just want to confirm. I know, I thought you were like editorializing there. It's like, oh, that's, that's good. I did not, I did not make that up. You can open up the book to 8.7 and that is absolutely what the title is called. I would, but I already threw it away. Uh, <laughs> you're right outside of Salvation Army. It's good. All right, so now we're moving on to Brent's section. So, yes, my section, chapter nine. Let's talk about rings, rims, and white wall repulsion forces, if you don't mind. So I assume the white wall repulsion forces, they're protesting Trump's wall, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Nailed it. Yes, that's it. <laughs> or they're working. I can't. It's hard to tell. They could also be working for that could be ice. Like, that's what ice is going to be called now. <laughs> WWRF. <laughs> So Potter talks shit on electronic designers on Earth because they haven't, quote, cotton onto 
what ETs use in their spacecraft, what he calls a sort of flywheel effect. And I think this is really unfair considering people had to be abducted by aliens to understand any of this, including <laughs> Paul Potter. That's true. So yeah. I think he should calm down with yeah, the insults. That's true. And he's an alien himself and he was abducted by aliens. So it's full. Oh, full that's right. Alien on alien abduction. It's terrible. <laughs> So, in the author's note at the bottom of page 279, Potter says, just as they were going to press with this book, that he came across an article about a CRED, which stands for, and you guessed it, quote, Crystal Rectangle Energy Device. I didn't suppo- guess that. <laughs> oh, you didn't? <laughs> I, I didn't either. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, which I did. So, I, which I, was Brent, the thing is, again, you got to remember, you are 2% evolved in this. We are still at zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're far above us. Dylan and I are I'm still batting two. zero here. So, <laughs> I think I'm at 0.02, but that's, yeah, either way, it's a little bit that's more. Still, that's enough. Yeah, that's yeah. enough to be way beyond us. <laughs> so, you got to remember, so, whenever you say, like, well, you guessed it, guys, you right. just got to just remember, it's not obvious to us. Ever. That's so true. You have to- okay. Got it. I will remember that from now on. Oh, okay. Okay. So the rectangle energy device, which was supposedly uh, recovered from the Roswell crash in 1947, a device that generates electricity on demand. So he talks a little shit on Tesla, like, why not? Saying, quote, it sure beats what Tesla came up with. Man. So he must be team Edison, right? Uh, yeah, he really hates elephants. I also like how <laughs> Tesla is apparently supposed to compete with the whole of extraterrestrial engineering, which seems like a really unfair fight. <laughs> that is. That I mean, is. you know. Yeah. So he discusses white holes, which, unlike black holes, shit things out of them. Hmm. Nothing can penetrate a white hole. You know, try as I may, I wasn't able to come up with a joke with that part. So I just. Yeah, that seems all very solid, all very serious. So getting back to what matters, super radiance, ergo spheres and more about fluids. Yay. We're not done with this. Got to have those fluids. That's right. So this white hole has a white hole wall and quote energy packets of force will not be able to pass through this white wall because they aren't strong enough. They will then be reflected back as waves into the central black vortex. And again, this is how white nationalists think about the border (laughs) wall with Mexico. It's a white wall that's going to repulse everything else into the central black vortex. You know, I think we need some black vortex power to fight back against them personally. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely. So we need a special type of fluid to slow down these waves, obviously. For, quote, only then will it produce the correct mirroring effect and will reflect those waves back into the central vortex at a low energy velocity. This, by anyone's standards, will be a difficult challenge. But then these extraterrestrial physicists do have a penchant for advancing science. (laughs) Oh, see, you know, here, you know, I think the problem here is that we are reaching out. Wait, Brent, Brent, I have to to interrupt you real quick. Just I'm so sorry, but you did say. Low energy velocity is actually written low enough velocity. I just I was, wanted to correct that's that. My given Jeb, that we care oh, about that's my Jeb Bush bias exact, right there. Yep. The exact science. <laughs> we care about the exact science. So I had to make the correction. Sorry. Thank you. Yes. So, and actually we have, we do have a problem um, is, you know, we're reaching out to human phys- uh, physicists to see if Potter's claims are correct since we are not physicists, but we should actually be reaching out to these extraterrestrial physicists, don't you think? You know, or they could have reached out to us. They reached oh, out to point. Potter. They reached out to Betty Luca. You know, I'm sure yep. they've got enough space gel to slather on all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they would love it. Uh, oh, one yeah. would hope. One would hope. That's gross. <laughs> 
So Potter states that the toroid is not a conductor of, but a capacitor of electrical charges. This is why he suggests that the fluid inside the fancy donut is probably, quote, plain water. The UFO may be firing their beams into the water to ionize the water as well as regulate its temperature because, quote, photon mobilities are highest in water molecules at, a, at about around 25 degrees Celsius. I think you said photon. It's proton. I did. Mobilities. You're right. Proton. Brent, you need to get the science correct. So you do have a capital S. Uh, I do. I do. Science. I think so. you're being possessed photon. by Jeb Bush. I think low energy <laughs> consciousness has been. <laughs> Jeb Bush took at removed your spiritual essence, implanted his own reptilian. <laughs> spiritual essence and you're just you've been low energy ever since guys also do you notice that unfortunately it shoots down the theory of the special water turning the frogs gay because he does say it's plain water so oh yeah that's true that hypothesis is oh let's cross that off here well may i my guess is that when they kind of get rid of it it goes through some kind of space gel filter Mm. you know to clean out their excess space gel so maybe it's plain in the toroid but the water that leaves can still turn any amphibian gay (laughs) ah i see so moving on he states the reader may want to backtrack or back engineer backtrack (laughs) to previous chapters to fully grasp what has been said so far since quote well this is after all ufo science not rocket science so let's so it's complicated yeah it's fucking nice dig on those dumbass rocket scientists right <laughs> i mean it's Damn. just rocket science <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah little rocket man oh. total losers but smart cookies so the faster i'm gonna keep on quoting here because this is just and i just don't i need to get the voice down but i can't do it the faster the UFO... I can't... Oh, it's just not as good. Be true to yourself. I know. Yeah. So let me get... Let me let me find that Jeb inside me. The faster the UFO's <laughs> vortex rotates and the greater the, mul- the multipole moment relative to its inertial mass, then the lower the speed of light will be. And of consequence, the lower the radius will need to be. And the lower the energy will need to be, apparently. <laughs> right, clearly. <laughs> I actually always thought the multi-pole movement was uh, when talented strippers use multi-poles to dance on. Oh, oh I think it's when no. pole vaulters no. use two poles, like one in each oh, hand to get over that hurdle. <laughs> that's a more rated G version, yes. Yeah, it's going to be in the so, uh, Olympics it, next year, I hear. <laughs> double pole vaulting. In the AA UFO, the magnetic anchor is held firmly in place by the, quote, two rim fields. The, quote, power of the white hole's wall of plasma energizing the rim's magnetic bottleneck and the, quote, inductive coupling between all the major rings of gyrating energy inside this craft. (laughs) So, yeah. Actually, I had a friend who once had a classic anchor tattoo in his arm. And to go along with my crop circle tattoo, I kind of want to have this AA UFO anchor tattoo on my forearm. Probably cost more, though. Yes, definitely. Pretty detailed. You know, just don't get the same crop circle forehead tattoo that Charles Manson got. That's the yeah, that's, that's true. The key. Definitely, definitely, that would be a copyright violation. And you know, the grave ain't gonna keep Charlie from defending his intellectual property rights. He takes that shit seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, luckily I got my eye on my forearm. I'm not gonna do that. Okay, put good. It on my face. Just don't put it on your upper arm on a red band and everything. Mm, yeah, yeah, let's avoid that. No red bands on the arms. <laughs> Yes. But no, the swastika is like, you know, over. it's an Indian symbol. Nope, doesn't work. <laughs> Try again. 
Okay, so sorry. Did you did you say you needed to hear more about Super Radiance, guys? Yes! No, yes! no, no I didn't yes, say more. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that, I did. <laughs> didn't, that didn't go as quite as fun. So, good. Ionize. <laughs> <laughs> so, ionized shockwaves are produced, which, quote, ripple through the concentric ribs of the gyrating storage field. So, okay, also, it should be noted in this section that we hear an awful lot about these UFO ribs. So we've got chicken feet, mm. we've got ribs, we've got black or white holes. Dylan, you know, maybe maybe Dylan's on to something. UFOs may just be chickens after all. Mm. And Colonel Sanders was the original potter with the secret recipe conspiracy. I, If that's right, I just hope black or white holes won't be showing up on their menu anytime soon. That just seems... Ugh, ugh, deep fried black holes. Yeah. No thanks. Pass. God. Pass. Just keep ugh, them, really you know, gross. just mash them up and put them in the nuggets or something. Just don't tell me about it. Right. <laughs> so Potter admits how they were, quote, scant few scientific datums <clears throat> offered by the Greys to Betty about UFO dynamics during her abductions. However, there were a few extraterrestrial terms used by the Greys, which were subsequently recalled during her hypnotherapy sessions. By the way, for our listeners, the plural of datum is data, but <laughs> datums is really fun to say. So I kind of like that. Yeah, and who knows? It. He may be speaking ET guy right there. We just we just have to look into that to see. Yeah, that's one of their <laughs> fancy words. Yeah. So at the time, these turns were not understood, but Potter says, quote, but fortunately, because Betty's recall, as administered through her drawing ability, has been so good, the reader can now perfectly understand what the terms that the Greys did use uh, relate to in relation to our earthly sciences. And the reader should now be able to see for themselves how extraterrestrial engineering works. Just not readers like us who are below the level of obviousness, <laughs> yes. but our listeners <laughs> who then go on will definitely be able to understand all of it. You guys are smart. Smart. Especially our Boston listeners. Woo yeah. I see all nine of you or, or however many are, are listening out there. Go Pats. What to <laughs> want to know some of these ET terms? Oh, yes. yes. Okay, thanks. So Potter includes them and lets us know they are from, quote, watchers from pages 76 to 77. So here's the quote from the book. And the being says they are purging and lining the cyclonic trowel. We've heard that before. Cyclonetic quote, trowel. The, no, cyclonic. Damn it, you're right. Cyclonetic. No, you're right. Cyclonetic. You know what? Hey, why not? <laughs> right? Anyway. I think the trowel is really the important part there. Yeah, that's the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. And quote, the being says, balancing the oscillating telemeter wheels and leveling. Also, quote, rotating series of semi-full swing back liquid line magnetic <laughs> ring <laughs> it's a question it's yeah, a question, question mark, question uh, mark <laughs> magnetic rings and the depolarized rim all great titles for this uh, episode oh yeah so the telemeter wheels potter says quote should probably be telemeta wheels oh he's correcting the et's yeah so the semi-full swing back it isn't the name isn't the name of an MMA hold, but rather the craft's super radiance amplifications. 
the liquid line, which is the toroids as, or as Dylan likes to say, donut, reflecting fluid. The depolarized rim is what was explained in chapter six. Uh, keyword explained. Yes. And um, I just, uh, I'm, this kind of inspired me. I got a good song here. Swing back, semi full chariots. I think, yeah, I think that can work. So those are all explained, but what about the cyclonetic trow, bro? Unless I missed it, Potter leaves that mystery for someone else to crack. So I don't, he doesn't go into Can any that. listeners out there crack the case of Please. the cyclonetic trial? Let us know. I'm sure some, we've got some physicists out there in, in radio land. I'm sure they could figure this out. You tell us where we went wrong with this podcast. Oh, Lordy B, tell us. Please. That's right. None dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. Tell us what we got wrong. <laughs> <laughs> besides the pronunciation of Potter's terms. And besides everything in the book. I don't want to get any emails that just say everything. So chapter 10, the first section in chapter 10 is called Toroidal Frustum of Hoop Stress. <laughs> Man, that would really what a title. hurt. At first, you know, at first I thought it was some, you know, basketball player's anxiety about practice or a coach, but no. <laughs> so no, it wasn't that. I'm glad I could bring sports back into this. Much needed. So I thought it was, speaking of sports, I actually thought it was what I felt every time I failed at hula hooping <laughs> and get a lot of hoop stress. <laughs> could see people doing it on TV and I couldn't do it. Okay, so Potter begins this chapter again, shitting all over rocket scientists. So he says, quote, rocket science is all about hoofing huge amounts of blast force out of the back end of a long cylinder. Because our present aerospace engineers like to work only with linear force drives. Ahem. End quote. <laughs> oh, a lot of chutzpah yeah. from a guy who has never built anything which has reached space. <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna bring that up. Oh man. So true. Yes. So he explains that UFOs work on a more refined and technical propulsion system. Quote, they operate by propelling a helical field of a combination of forces ahead of them in a beam, and then by using a natural contraction of those forces, which does all the amplification of them, the craft is pulled towards and leading part of that beam. Mm. So in other words, UFOs are far superior because they develop, quote, forward energy rather than backward energy, which, you know, honestly sounds like a bunch of progressive socialist libtard nonsense to me, but mm, yeah. that's fine. I mean, maybe I'm a, ne I'm a neocon. No, well, maybe. I'm skeptical of that idea, Brent. If I'm not mistaken, I think the UFO means of production need to be collectivized oh. before you can levy that charge. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's right. And then, you know, we can move forward from space socialism to space communism. Yes. And then finally, we could just stop moving altogether. Just hang out in yes. space. Nice. Perfection. So Potter says that particles will accumulate rotating upwards, quote, into an organized helic flow above the craft. And when reaching critical angular velocity, which would increase suddenly to a greater power level than that of the gravitational force flowing into the Earth. And this would lift the spacecraft off the ground. Oh. Yeah. To, to all of you that, you know, may be thinking after reading this section on your own time, which I'm assuming you're all doing, wait, 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 wait. So by using, let, let me explain. So by using calculations on a UFO with 30 feet diameter rim, utilizing a one foot diameter filament tube, the ratio of gravitational force acting between these will be in the region of one to 900. So hmm. that this sort of gravitational force amplification ratio, the craft will be four ever falling into the leading end of its filament tube thus propelling this craft through a wormhole 
no, 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 not not so fast. You know, Potter makes this very clear on page 305 that he said, quote, falling towards, not falling into. So stay sharp, okay? Yeah, we don't ah. we don't want to fall into ignorance. Rather, ah. we want to fall towards yes. the truth. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's so true. Yeah, so to get a full grasp on how the, quote, AA UFO's filament tube of electromagnetic and gravitational forces culminated and stable, go ahead and look at figure 76 on page 307 on your own time. Yeah, if you go to the uh, if you if you're in Detroit and you go to the local Salvation Army, check the garbage can. You'll you'll be able to find <laughs> you'll be able to find this picture there. Perfect. So everything you you want to know about rims, domes, bores, and wave packets. I'm so excited. <laughs> so in this section, Potter again points us to his illustration on page 307 and how he has quote arbitrarily given the rim five ejection gates. And these five gates would give a 72 degree steps by which this, the craft's trajectory could be manipulated through different directions when airborne. So he says the number and position of these gates are essentially unlimited, oh, but he nice. just put five to show us how this works. Yeah. Proof of concept. Even arbitrary concepts, too. So that's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> An yes. arbitrary proof of an arbitrary concept. <laughs> I think that's another <laughs> Uncle Ben line. Arbitrary <laughs> concepts require arbitrary proofs. <laughs> so Potter continues saying, quote, this rim gating facility on the Andreasen UFO will unfortunately mean that our pilot will now have one extra transmission line added to his or her control panel and another dial to turn. You know, again, with such rigid, you know, binary options, his or her, he's always doing this. Oh, yeah. You know, I think we should deplatform Potter from all colleges personally <laughs> and call Antifa. I think well, I think work. that should be easy to do. I mean, he's basically already deplatformed <laughs> himself. I think it's kind of <laughs> it's like a self deplatformization <laughs> to use the uh, ET lingo uh, just by writing this book. Also, you know, it's actually getting confusing because it went from one button that you had to hit and one transmission line to fucking two transmission lines. Uh, what's next? Two buttons? Two buttons. Jesus. I can't even. He also brought in a dial. Like when did <laughs> dials enter the picture? Dude. Yeah, oh, seriously. Man. This is getting far too complex. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to continue quoting here, of course. Quote, one might think that in the various designs of UFOs, what constitutes the upper dome is merely used as nothing more than a curved surface that keeps the elements away from the crew. But I learned very early into this UFO field of study through back engineering. There it is. Oh. Yeah, the onion drive <laughs> UFO. Sounds delicious. With Jeff Savage in particular, that nothing in a UFO's design is perfunctory. So, okay, we've mentioned uh, Barry S. Rothman earlier, and he actually responds to this allegation here or this uh, part in the book. And he says, quote, I wish I could do Barry's uh, voice, but I don't know who it is or how it would Just be. Just sound like a neocon. Yeah, that's true. How do they talk? <laughs> God, I don't know. There's so many of them. Um, quote, <laughs> when I read the above statement. It sounded like he was claiming that Jeff Savage was back engineering a piece of actual hardware. I called Jeff about this on March 30th, 2011. Jeff stated that he had no such hardware hmm. and that what he told Potter about was based only on his uh, meditation. Oh. The two men met just once for a period of approximately two hours. Therefore, the wording used by Potter is at best misleading Ooh, drama. Very dramatic. Oh. It's funny. Oh, I, juicy details. I didn't even have to call Jeff Savage to know that. 
that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how little you can learn in a phone call. Yeah, you almost did, and you're like, yeah, I'll pass. What's great about Rothman's review of the book is that he he knows all these alien people. Yeah, and so right? he's, he's like calling. That's like basically the Ruru. And then I read this, and then I called this other guy, and he said, that's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> Oh, God. So on figure 79, Betty Lucas drawing of light beams and UFO crafts in a mist or fog. So she drew herself walking next to a gray alien, indicating, quote, he had on a dark gray uniform. Hmm. So, yeah, which I assume elicits the same effect as, say, like a white person wearing a peach colored tight fitting uniform. So it just looks like they're naked, really. So why even? Oh, yeah. So David Bowie, then. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Okay. So besides Potter's Betty bias, he is also biased towards the circular shape of UFOs, saying, quote, electrodynamically, it shows that the UFO on every count is the perfect shape to amplify rotating energy fields. But why this pr principle isn't used more on Earth, God only knows. God only knows. Uh, God only knows. Taken from the Beach Boys directly. Also, if you are overweight and some asshole bully is body shaming you, just reply back, hey, 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 I'm the perfect shape to amplify rotating energy fields, bitch. Uh, and then when the bully punches you for saying something so dumb, That's just true. accept the abuse and move on. Or try to get him to punch, say, your shoulder, and then you'll start spinning real fast. <laughs> and you'll scare him off. All right, so Potter lets his bigotry towards wormholes slip when referencing oh, note 13 that states, quote, as I have said previously, I am not an advocate of traversable wormholes or wormhole travelers, <laughs> mainly because I'm not an advocate of having people fragmented into some atomic particles through such a setup of extreme <laughs> forces. So, so, but what, what if someone identifies as a wormhole traveler who enjoys being fragmented into subatomic particles for someone that hates warmonger, you would think Potter would be a little more open-minded. Yeah. yeah okay. I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to be the wormhole travel advocates. Yeah. We're going to have to hire lobbyists, go voice. to Washington, get them some rights. Stick up for the little guy <laughs> you know the fragmented if you want to fragment yourself into subatomic <laughs> particles in the privacy of your home you should be allowed to do so they're so brave that's great so potter offers figure 80 on page 320 as a model of the universe so just i can sum this up just picture star wars imperial tie fighter and you'll get the drift oh all right well you know pop quiz so. do you two idiot dilettantes oh. even know what the t-i-e and tie fighter stands for do you win ion engines oh. and no i didn't oh. just look that up fuck that's Damn. right <laughs> you know for star wars nerddom dylan and i are tied at 100 percent. but for potter dynamics we're still tied at zero percent unfortunately <laughs> yeah that's and that's the important one that's really the one we should want yes yeah, and all I know is I, I prefer my ties big, long, and red. Oh, that's very presidential of you to say. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. So, Potter jabs Einstein, as one would, would do, on his naive presumption that the universe was flat. He compares this to present-day physicists who failed so gloriously to detect these forces and to discover how to produce gravitational force. You know, such hostility. Potter should really have, should, should meet some real physicists. They can be really nice people. I'm not joking. Well, you know, the problem with that I've never is... Met, I've never met one, but I've heard. Well, the problem with that is that would presuppose that Potter hasn't already met himself, so... Mm, oh, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, meeting is yeah. reflexive. You've, everyone's met themselves. Yes. 
All right. So moving on to Potter. So Potter says, quote, earthly physicists are wrong when they say the Big Bang was, quote, just one event in history. He says the expansion event is taking place right now. On a serious note, don't earthly physicists say that? I'm pretty sure if my um, unless my dilettante ignorance is getting the best of me here that they never said the expansion of the universe stopped was just one. Um, Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're dogmatic about it's saying it's stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just, yeah, this is dilettante. This is true dilettante ignorance mode right now. I just, yes. and I do <laughs> I want, just want to say that, that I do remember yeah. reading one of Stephen Hawking's books. And when he says physicists are wrong, when they say the big bang was just one event in history, I'm pretty sure that like with the new M theory model, the universe has many histories or whatever. So even yeah. that's not something that uh is right here i don't think but anyway dilettante ignorance i don't know so so far we've only found two falsehoods in this entire book that's pretty impressive (laughs) that's pretty and we don't even know if they're that's that's even worse we haven't well we haven't gotten back to the semi-full swing back so let me start here with section 10.9 which is called chirping the semi-full swing backs into wave packets (laughs) gotta chirp them in there bunch of birds (laughs) yeah That may be the oddest symptom of all times, actually. Um, anyway, no, not- let's get to chirping. That's what Das is. God rest yeah. her soul. That's what Das is doing into heaven. She is Aww. chirping Aww. some semi full swing backs into wave packets. <laughs> Precious so bird. anyway, so want to know how a UFO can control its speed? Of course we do, right? As long as it's not a fucking dial. <laughs> Man, fuck that. I got a dial in my Saturn Ion. I don't need. I don't need to. Enc- I don't need to encounter that in a UFO. I'd like it to be a bit more advanced. That's all I'm saying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a button. Okay, so it all has to do with, quote, how the UFO sends those super radiant wave packets of energy out of the craft and into this powerful compression amplification mechanisms around the dome and where they come off of the dome. So the best part of section 1010 is in the notes. Note 30, where Potter explains how on May 1943, during World War II, crew members absorbed the RAF Halifax that saw a cylindrical UFO several times larger than the aircraft that appeared in front of them, saying, quote, this UFO was sharply defined and clearly visible as it was hanging in the air stationary. But as the Halifax approached it in one instant, it shot off at a speed estimated in the thousands mile per hour. The most intriguing factor about the UFO's movement was that as it was accelerating, its shape blurred and foreshortened before it finally disappeared into the distance, which is vintage. There it is. Yeah, vintage Potterology. So, you know, from clearly visible and blurry and indistinguishable as you approach the UFO to try and capture it on film. It's just perfect. There's three kinds of close encounters, blurry, blurrier, and blurriest. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. The most accurate photos are just black, actually. So, <laughs> and I think I think there's a jo- there's a joke about Bigfoot, and oh. it might be I think it's a Mitch Hedberg joke where he jokes that you know Bigfoot might actually himself be blurry, and that's why all the photos <laughs> of him are blurry. Oh. But for for Paul Potter, that's this awesome. is genuine alien theory. Yes, this isn't a joke. <laughs> This is the real deal. Oh, man. So question, quote, the next big question will be, why the fuck am I reading this book? Oh, that's I added that. So how does a UFO harvest energy while it is out in space? Answer, quote, the exact same way a black hole harvests the virtual field and produces abundant energy for its jets by gravitationally and electromagnetically stressing the space time fabric. Duh. 
You know, mm. I would venture to say that would be relatively stressing on the space-time fabric, wouldn't you oh. say? <laughs> oh. Oh. Another oh, dumb Einstein joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, By the way, that's not a dumb joke. It's this. dumb Einstein joke. I just want to <laughs> clarify that. Yes. Okay, thank God. Okay, so I'm, I'm done with this section here, but finally I do want to end my section with a quote from Barry S. Rothman, our friend, which, uh, sums, which uh, about sums this all up here. Okay, quote. However, Potter's overconfidence about details of every aspect of UFO structure will at times cause readers to wonder if mm. he is the victim of abduction that he claims to be mm. or a disgruntled alien who is trying to tell <gasps> us about the superiority of his society's achievements. Oh, oh man. Potter is an alien. That's how he knows so much about UFOs. Oh, okay. God. Somebody call M. Night Shyamalan in quick. <laughs> uh, M. Night, shame about the last one. All right. <laughs> chapter 11. That's a Mark Kermode reference for our listeners. Uh, so I now we're Mark on Kermode. to chapter 11, mass demunition and time dilation in UFOs. So because of the black vortex at the heart of the AA UFO and its ability to, quote, control pressure, mass density, environmental dielectric constant, electromagnetic wave velocity and gravitational force within that sealed environment, things in the UFO will experience a, quote, proportioning effect. This effect will be experienced by, quote, whatever living bodies were present on those decks, be they aliens comprising the ship's crew or humans being conveyed as passenger. And I got to say, being conveyed as passengers is quite the euphemism for being kidnapped and tortured for no discernible reason. <laughs> so this effect has been reported by many abductees who claim the inside of the UFO was much larger than what would be expected by its dimensions when viewed from the outside. Potter links these purported effects, quote, to the once fictitious concept known through the British Doctor Who TV series as time and relative dimensions in space or TARDIS or as it is known in science, topological diminution, and transposes the concept into bona fide reality. He even uses the phrase the TARDIS effect throughout the rest of the chapter, and so we will as well. And I have to say, I think Potter is right here. It's no longer a once fictitious concept. Now it's twice fictitious. <laughs> you know, he should come out as a wizard and make it a thrice fictitious concept yeah you know you know ser seriously though okay. didn't paul potter go to hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry <laughs> or am i confusing him with another potter no that was a uh, harry potter's dumb muggle brother oh okay yeah. i think i used that word correctly i think that just seeps in when you work at barnes no, and noble dylan when those books dylan, came out it just seeps in there dylan muggles don't go to witchcraft or witchcraft schools well that's so what i'm saying because uh, paul potter is the dumb brother who wasn't a wizard uh, but i'm okay. saying didn't paul potter go to hogwarts or am i confusing it with another no, potter? i'm saying you're confusing because harry potter went to hogwarts <laughs> okay we'll paul have to potter sort this was... out later this is too this is way yeah this too, is this, this is, is you know we, who this knows what's really canon heated. in the harry potter books okay <laughs> apparently the tardis effect is is due to how the black vortex affects the dimensional constant alpha. Ooh. And for a little bit, I got a bit of a warning. Again, the following is probably more about my dilettante ignorance in the face of Potter's brilliance. <laughs> okay. So I did a little bit of research on this dimensional constant alpha, and it appears that what Potter is talking about is the fine structure constant, also known as Sommerfeld's constant. According to Wikipedia, it characterizes, quote, the strength of the electromagnetic interaction between elementary charged particles. So there's a couple of problems with calling it the dimensional constant. First, there are a whole bunch of dimensional constants. A dimensional constant is just a quantity with a physical dimension assigned, like length or speed. And so as you can imagine, a whole lot of those. 
Second, the fine structure constant is not a dimensional constant. Its value is one over 137 full stop. So it's very confusing. I got to say, this is the only the third mistake he's made, but it's a pretty big one. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're about 1% evolved now. I'd say, or you are at least. I'm still about zero, I think. Yeah, I might be a little evolved. I'll take it. I'll take Fuck, it. Fuck, I'm still zero. Damn but it. luckily, you know, we talk about not being evolved, but as Potter says, the dilettante ignorance, it doesn't end with me or any of the hosts. It even applies to theoretical physicists who, quote, have clearly not ventured to think about the TARDIS effect. <laughs> of course. <laughs> They're all too busy watching Big Bang Theory, a bunch of nerds. Uh, That's all they do. They should get their heads out of their bazingas and work on the TARDIS effect. <laughs> So according to Potter, this is because they thought any alteration in the fine structure constant wouldn't be noticed by anyone because everything would be equally altered. It sounds like socialism to me, but mm. uh, I think that's false. You need a dictatorship of the E.T. guy's proletariat first. You know, read your marks more carefully, <laughs> okay. Brent. But getting on track here, Dylan, why would physicists think nobody would notice everything being equally altered? Well, so the um, mathematician Poincaré uh, made a conjecture about this. He said, what if you went to bed one night and when you awoke the next day, everything in the world was a thousand times bigger? Would you notice anything? And every physicist in the world said in one voice, no, because yes. uh, basically like all the rulers would be bigger. So, you know, you yeah. measure something. Oh, it's still one meter long, whatever. And we're using a meter for our international listeners. Uh, Potter continues, quote, so thanks to our physicists and their introspection, little has been learned about this sliding gradient. <laughs> yeah, but luckily we've got Potter here to set these theoretical morons straight. Quote, dumbasses. But here we have the data from those people who have gone through these dimensional changing experiences with the extraterrestrials and who have empirical knowledge to show how this effect works. Therefore, the reports by abductees have provided an invaluable contribution to the wider understanding of this TARDIS effect. Indubitably, it can now be verified that Poincaré was quite wrong in his assumption about not noticing any difference when changes are made to the fine structure constant. In fact, quote... Every one of the mass space time components change through exactly the same proportion gradient. Ooh. Fucking uh, duh. Everyone duh. knows that. <laughs> I knew it. And Betty Luca herself noticed some of these changes. Quote, we are fortunate to have in Betty a perfect artist <laughs> and one who drew it like it was, even though some of the things she experienced didn't make much sense to her at the time. And I'm going to say, I'm glad they got the perfect artist, Betty Luca, because, you know, imagine if they abducted Stanley Kubrick. Oh, God. You know, he probably, you know, he would have been such a perfectionist. He would have only made a UFO movie aboard an actual spacecraft. And then we wouldn't know yeah. any of this stuff. Hey, well, OK, as a film person. Hello. Excuse me. OK, right. OK, so I'm going to have to disagree with that, Dylan. Kubrick liked to challenge himself, so he steered clear of simple and obvious subjects. Oh, that's so that's, that's, that's right. Where you went that's wrong. right. That's yeah. where you went wrong. <laughs> I think there's some serious collusion here between Potter and Betty. I mean, she's a perfect artist. So if, if this dude saw a drawing by Michelangelo, would his head explode? I mean, her drawings are literally. <laughs> if you look, I mean, seriously, go look at her drawings in the book. I mean, get the track, go to the Salvation Army, pull it out of the trash can, and you'll look and you'll see her drawings. So her drawings are like self-published book cover level at best, really. So yeah, we've included some of her uh, photos in the on the Instagram page. Um, yes, and I also I I imagine you know like a thousand years from now when Pope Paul Potter the Third <laughs> is the uh, the Pontiff of the of the Holy See, like they're going to change the Sistine Chapel to Betty Luca's drawings <laughs> on the ceiling there. 
uh, you know, to get. I mean, she is the perfect artist, That's so, yeah. you know, she's got to be up there. Adam touching an E.T. guy's finger, maybe. Yeah, Something exactly. Like exactly. So Betty reported that she fit inside the UFO just as she would fit inside a normal living room. But the UFO appeared far too small from the outside of it for her to fit comfortably. Other abductees have reported the same factor. And no, there are no sources on any of these other abductees. Oh, of course. Yeah, you know, and I'm actually picturing like the lobby in Willy Wonky's Chocolate Factory where they just keep going and the doors. Oh, it's this tiny door in the open. And it's like, oh, my God, it's huge. And there's candy everywhere. <laughs> Potter has no endnotes for you. Was Roald Dahl also abducted by the ETs? <laughs> also, uh, kind of just as like a throwaway line, Potter says, quote, there is usually evidence of time dilation, too, but that subject will not be gone into in any detail in this study, which is strange because time dilation is in the title of the chapter. <laughs> so I don't oh, know course. what this is about. Wow. And Potter isn't the first person to say this. Uh, Bob Lazar noted, quote, back engineerer of the Roswell UFO wow. at Area 51. He made the same comment, but his explanation was that the aliens were just really, really tiny. Oh, how embarrassing. Yeah, real embarrassing. Jesus. Gross. Potter even conjectures that one quarter of the spacecraft was dedicated as a sort of decompression chamber to acclimate the abductees to the TARDIS effect. As usual, Betty Luca herself provides evidence for this. Quote, Betty says, we're in like a half bubble or quarter of a bubble room. And he, the leading gray, has withdrawn himself with the others. And they are standing over there talking. I'm just looking at this room. I feel very weightless and icky. My hands and my legs feel like they are asleep or something. And they are still talking over there. And they glance over at me once in a while. Oh, hurry up. And I'm crossing my arms now. I'm tired of just standing there. <laughs> I, I feel like yeah. you'd have to read Betty saying that like this. Like, we're like in a half bubble or a quarter of a bubble room. <laughs> and he, the leading gray, is like withdrawn himself from the others. And they're standing over there talking. Like, that's how you have to read that. Well, this is like 67. Did people talk like that back then? Probably not. Mm. It just it reads like that for me for like naturally. But anyway, yeah, I can. I Plus, can it's it. annoying. She's like coated in that that alien juice. So it's you're just like, come oh, on. I'm just oh, dripping. Yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But Potter knows better. Uh, Potter knows that these aliens weren't just being rude to their guest and talking behind her back. Instead, quote, it's quite obvious the leading gray was accounting for her body to acclimatize itself to the craft's inner mass density environment. Just, just the same as the aliens would have been doing for their own bodies during that period of waiting. But why not both? <laughs> we already know the aliens are rude enough to kidnap and torture unsuspecting folks. So it's well within the realm of possibility that they were also just being assholes. <laughs> Yeah, as Potter really does have an alien bias. You know, he only listens to alien physicists. He himself is an alien, so I guess and it Dylan, makes sense. But why not both? Uh, obviously, because it's obviously not. Duh. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, obviously. Good point. You got me. The obvious fallacy. <laughs> Potter was initially tripped up by the TARDIS effect himself, relying on technical drawings made by technical artist Fred Youngren of the AA UFO. While he has since learned better, apparently many in the UFO community have not. <laughs> Quote, For some strange reason, these drawings are still being portrayed on websites of UFOologists, which just yeah. suggests to me that while UFOologists are disposed towards reporting about UFOs, they are not necessarily disposed towards thinking about UFO technology. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ooh, it's rough. <laughs> well, while I don't like this kind of infighting, it does make me feel better knowing that dilettante ignorance isn't confined only to us non-connoisseurs of alien abduction stories. <laughs> Even they have to deal with it once in a while. Yeah, we are like two levels of obviousness removed from Potter. They are like one level removed. I mean, at least we're not like three or four levels of obvious removed. That would be horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. I, we're getting close to the end of the book and I still haven't learned anything. So <laughs> I'm going to have to say I'm infinitely removed from obviousness, unfortunately. So Ooh, wow. I'm going to have to accept that as my uh, as my fate, unfortunately. <laughs> The ability for the Greys to control the TARDIS effect is called topological diminution by other alien researchers and deopulating by the Greys themselves. So not only are they Christian, but they also they invent English words too. So I'm glad they're they're helping us out. I here. would have guessed that deopulating would be defined as the removal of opulence. That would be my guess. But yeah, so I mean, just don't send the UFO to Trump Tower because <laughs> way too much work to do. Betty herself witnessed a UFO deopulating another UFO in order to bring it on board, presumably for repairs. Well, luckily it had a coupon for a $24.99 oil change for the UFOs. Oh, that's that's, that's, yeah, yeah that's or space. I think space gel change. Yeah. I think that's what they needed. That's, that's they need to refill their space gel. <laughs> the Gray's ability to opulate and deopulate at will mm. explains a whole lot, by the way. So let's get into this. Sure oh, does. Sure. Yeah, sure does. First, it explains the fact that grays come from an environment with a greater mass density and sillier vocabulary. That's at least when they admit words for us. Right. Quote. Well, if it's a heavier environment than ours, then no wonder they are comfortable existing in an environment smaller than we humans exist in. But even if they didn't, they could just deopulate the area at will. It seems they have that technology. <laughs> Greys aren't going to be oppressed by our parochial mass density normativity. <laughs> baloney. Yeah, exactly. We like we we. Uh, what is density anyway? Really, you know, weight is just a construct. We learned that last time, so I assume density is too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Point. I'm pretty sure Potter's head contains a lot of density. Ooh, <laughs> that just, would a, a lot a, of deopulating a, would have to happen there. Oh yeah. <laughs> It also sheds light on the, quote, scout craft theory that UFOs don't have any passengers because they would be too small to contain them. Oh, Ooh. it's also the, theory. Yeah. And it's also the name of a conspiracy theory that Boy Scouts use the occult to feed their insatiable desire for more patches for their sashes. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely so. there's the pentagram patch. There's the, you know, the soul ring patch or the, the soul <laughs> ring salt, the salt <laughs> ring. You got to sprinkle the salt around. Yeah. No, I mean, that one, that one is true. In fact, this theory, quote, can be thrown right out the window. <laughs> All right. But be sure to, you got to deopulate the theory first, or you could really right. cause a lot of damage, and you Ooh, will be liable for that. Yeah, Good it's point. like not decharging your crystals Good and getting point. rid of them. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. so... Chapter 12 is kind of it's a chapter about the Roswell UFO and it's about Bob Lazar and we want to save him for another time. We want to we're focused on Paul Potter right now. So we're going <laughs> to skip right to the afterward on the transformation Good. phenomenon. Ooh. And this is where kind of Paul Potter has a deeper message. We've been reading the book. We've been learning about how to build a UFO. The superficial even stuff. Though you, superficial <laughs> stuff, it turns out, because Potter at the end of the book, he has a message a message more important than, quote, the survival of the human race and even the preservation of this planet Earth. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm totally sensing an alien bias there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what else is there? I mean, it seems <laughs> that seems like a pretty big I've deal. I got a message for something more important than all that is important. Important. <laughs> because if the spacecraft Potter describes in his book turns out to be buildable, then we should also give credence to the other warnings the aliens have given us through the abductees. Mm -hmm. These warnings sure. might even be the main reason as to why extraterrestrials have come to Earth. Oh. 
Yeah, they didn't just okay. offer the tech because, quote, our scientists have been considered by that greater scientific confederation to be dragging their heels. Mm-hmm. Instead, quote, there may be extreme environmental factors of the utmost urgency that these outside scientists are trying to inform us about. Potter loves building up the foreshadowing. Just tell us already. Yeah, and I, you know, move over, Hitchcock. There's a new master of suspense, and his name is Paul Potter. <laughs> oh. Sadly, sadly, though, our governments can't help us because oh. they are either ignorant of these factors or have a vested interest in keeping us in the dark about them. Ooh, As Potter true. darkly states, quote, one essential question to ask whenever governments enforce their stringent denials about UFOs is, have our government leaders known for decades that a mass extinction event for humankind is imminent and the preparation for it is staring us all in the face right now? And if there is one, mm-hmm. it's definitely not climate change for sure. Not that. Oh, yeah. No, 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 it was just snowing no. in Las Vegas. It's, I mean, oh, yeah. it's yeah, I was going to say you nailed you said exactly what I was going to say. It's snowing here. Yeah disproven so that's not we there's a different kind of climate change we have to worry about but it's not the man-made one it's the alien well it's not the alien made one global oh. cooling's <laughs> happening but they lied to us <laughs> so what is this mass extinction event it is quote a supernova blast heading on a collision course toward the immediate location of our whole solar system oh man and we haven't learned about this just from the greys This has been described by scores of abductees by different factions of the extraterrestrials as a wholesale gamma ray bombardment of Earth and incineration Mm. of all living things that presently exist above our planet's surface. One thing I do like about this afterward here is at least there's no pretense of end notes. Yeah, that's something that I do appreciate. So you can't get fooled. All that will be left is, quote, dry, scorched earth and stone boulders. So thankfully, Stonehenge will survive. And Spinal Tap will continue thriving. Oh, yeah, they're definitely. (laughs) And also, thank God the Hollow Earth peoples will survive to rebuild civilization anew in their image. Sadly, though, this Nova Blast cannot be diverted. Oh, I would have thought that something that would have encompassed the entire solar system could be diverted. <laughs> That's what I thought, just to make a big mirror, maybe? I don't yeah. know. They're, I mean, they're UFOs. You'd think they have like really amazing technology. Anyway, so Betty Luca herself has received this warning, and there's one word <sighs> in particular I'm going to have to be very careful about pronouncing. Quote, Take heed, think over, the withdrawal from the harmful incision swirling spread of swelling waves rolling from the sun star when its umbra aligns its negative energy megastrike of swelling waves. By the way, I'm reading that correctly. Please know, we beckon to you to flee hastily within the cylindrical ka Niger ship before the incision spout of swirling plasma and grinding polluting wall of anti-magnetic desolation aligns the destructive transformation of the star swelling waves and its Nova mega strike. Take heed to organize a withdrawal from that Nova swirling umbra of alpha energy until you identify the first indications that it has slackened off and calmed sufficiently. Man, Trump's tweets are just getting out of hand at this point. Yeah, this is ooh, <laughs> Jesus <rough>. Christ. <laughs> I, I just picture actually, since Betty Luke is such a Christian, I just like vision this as her like witnessing to somebody. It's like okay, um, <laughs> ooh, like <laughs> this is go back to the this is John three sixteen. This is deep here. apocrypha. Is what this is. <laughs> If these aliens also like the one thing I noticed about this warning is if the aliens are talking about what Potter is talking about, I don't think they understand how the earth is going to be a barren wasteland and all that. So I don't think we're going to want to come back. Even if the whole Nova mega strike is calmed sufficiently, I don't think we're going to want to return. The ETs just aren't ready for Mad Max. That's the issue. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just exactly. walk away from the UFO. Your lives will be spared. <laughs> Just walk away. And also kind of as the afterword goes on, you know, Potter, he starts the afterword with a more kind of conditional, humble kind of claim. You know, if if I'm right about the UFOs, I might also be right about the other things they've said. But he goes, you know, right. He just drops all of that the rest of the afterwards. And he says, quote, here, I should remind the reader that it has without doubt been shown through the present study that there are benign groups of ETs that are capable of engineering greater density environments, both inside so. and immediately outside and forward of their ships, meaning that their ships are capable of traveling faster than the speed of light. I don't doubt any of that. Yeah, it's without no doubt. You can't exactly doubt it, right. even if you wanted to. I am told by physicists that the uh, speed of light is like a universal limit, but, you know, I, Potter says it's not, so, hey. All I know about light is you can live off of it. That's it. So you can you don't need to eat. That's the other part of the uh, the ET secret. You just have to oh, open okay. up your prana tubes and just <laughs> ooh, ooh, let Stick it filter it in Check there. out the Breatharian series on the <laughs> Dare Call It Ordinary yes, Podcast. exactly. Three parts. Um, but don't actually do it. You'll die. You'll starve to death. Yeah. Um, yes. Potter also notes that physical escape is not the only option. Oh. Quote, they have presented both the offer of a squadron of motherships with an open invitation to the people of this world for them to physically escape to safety to another part of the universe. And the ETs are offering information about the much anticipated transformation of spiritual beings to the next stage of evolution. And because they are doing this, it suggests that a grandiose itinerary has been formulated by a very proficient and knowledgeable body of spiritual scientific minds. That's strangely hyphenated for some reason, (laughs) especially for the beings of this whole earth realm, perhaps only for the more spiritual beings of this earth realm. And that just means if you haven't been abducted, it's because you're a shit person. (laughs) That's what that last part means, by the way. I, for one, don't appreciate non-alien abductee shaming. So, you know, fuck you, Potter. And actually, you know, it's not their fault. I'm not a fan. I mean, you know, I'm I'm all for like spiritual evolving, but only micro spiritual evolving personally. Yeah. Within our kinds, we can never reach the grays level. Right. Yes. You know, no matter how long we live. Potter has even learned of this transformation in his own abduction experience. Quote, he was taken to a transparent platform out in space and where I was shown huge electronic charts, moving star maps, an illuminated book of designated steps for this event. and was shown different landscapes on another planet and was made aware of many different forms of extraterrestrials that had congregated upon this location of space, seemingly for the sole purpose of bringing about a removal of or rejuvenation of as many beings as possible from our world. Then the impression I got of this transformation phenomenon was that it will be the biggest ever project to be undertaken. Wow. And that every part of this operation has been planned down to the nth degree by both the extraterrestrials and the highest of spiritual entities. And with that, well, in other words, Potter's whole book is pointless <laughs> because the ETs are actually in charge of this oh. whole fucking thing. You don't have to read this oh book at God. all. I mean, they had the glowing uh. book. Either... Are you trying to tell me that we wasted all this time reading this thing? Fuck. And I thought I'd learn something. I'm still <laughs> I mean, at 0% yeah. evolved. Still. Yeah. And I think that's what I, Potter's telling us. Either they're bringing the ships. We don't have to build the ships. They're bringing the motherships. And so we'll be saved that way. Or they'll help us evolve spiritually or whatever. And they're doing that too. It's been planned to the nth degree. Right. <sighs> and if, actually, we don't need this book. We just need to go hold that alien illuminated book and probably better anyway to use that. Yeah. That'll be better. So, I mean, I I hate to say this, but, you know, that that's it. No, that's it with our episode. 
and with our series on how to build a UFO, which it turns out we don't need to do anyway. So, <laughs> Brent, Forrest, what did you learn in today's episode and what did you what most excited you about our entire how to build a UFO series? Well, for me, it's not it's not what I learned. It's what I've done because I have built a UFO, guys. I have been working on oh, it. It's man. actually complete. Um, so when we sign off here, I will see you guys later. I'm done. Oh, cool. Yep, it's over. I'm leaving the podcast. I've been doing it ever since uh, the last episode. And this one is the final touches. Oh, I had okay. the extra knob added earlier um, as we were talking about it. Um, oh, the fuck. dial, of course. The dials aren't sorry, there. Dylan. Sorry. Um, oh, <laughs> but no, anyway, seriously, uh, what did I learn? Let's see. Um, reading this turns me into Jeb Bush, which makes sense because I'm a neocon. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, low energy. Low energy. <laughs> low energy for me. Yes. Um, I don't really know what I've learned to be completely honest with you. Um, probably, um, don't take abductee hypnoregression as engineering fact. So that's probably in a, in a more serious note. That's, that's what I would say. That, Just don't do that. What about you guys? I gotta say, I like that. I'm gonna have to say if I learned something. Yeah. I mean, first off, if anyone's listened to the last episode, they know that it turns out I was abducted by aliens. <laughs> And I have since been coming terms with my, you know, abductee experiences. And I got to say, so so far, though, I have no memories of the aliens (laughs) slathering me in gel. And I learned about that um, through this episode. And so I can't wait for them to just put that gel on me. That's what I'm waiting for. I want to be lubed by the aliens. I just, Brent, by the way, Brent, I hope. You got us suits and we don't have to just be gelled. Yeah, yeah no, I yeah. did. I did. I got his suits. I got the bells, the shoes. So okay. You're good. Okay, good. And the sash. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, you got the sash. Are, they are, of yeah. course, um, skin tight and skin colored, yes. right? Right. That's skin the, tight that's and skin tough. And they are, um, they are electro insulating. Yeah, right? they are. I believe that was one of the. Okay. Yeah, we got to get the electrostatic forces have to be kind of like they go through the suit and then get pushed down. Yeah. If I if I remember correctly, that's how the suits yeah. work. So what about you, Dylan? What did you learn? I learned that if you encounter a book with very extraordinary claims, (laughs) which requires a lot of concentration and a lot of note taking to really fully grasp and to be able to really fully interact with, you should always read the afterword first because it could turn (laughs) out that according to the book itself, there's no point in reading it. Ah, well, that would that's what I learned. Time, so yeah, I was really blown away by the afterward of this book. Yeah, and now there's a whole spiritual dimension to this whole thing. I I had no idea. I thought, you know, we're just going to build some UFOs. We're going to build industry. It seemed very kind of practical in the beginning, Mm -hmm. in a way, and then it just turned into this whole other thing about how we got to escape from a damn Nova Mega Strike. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but yeah, that is it. So again, that concludes our How to Build a UFO Part series. Uh, We would love to hear from our listeners. Uh, Let us know what you think, what we got right, what we got wrong. Have you been abducted by aliens? (laughs) Are you you, an alien? Despite all recommendations, are you an alien? Are you abducting yourself? Have you built one of these UFOs in your grudge? Don't abduct yourself. (laughs) I, I, you know, that's good point. You know, it's it's basically onanism. Don't do it. (laughs) So you know, get in get in contact with us. We're at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com you can also check out our website we have you know links to the you know the sources for our series so you could take a look at those we post links to subscribe which you of course already know how to do you can also we should also mention we haven't done this in a while we are on some of the social medias we have to admit so we're on twitter at ndcio we're also on instagram at none dare call it ordinary and a lot of times we post pictures there of things we talk about here. We'll also post them on the website in case social media makes you want to vomit up <laughs> space gel. 
Um, and yeah, that will be it for today. So with that, we are done. done.